السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما رسائد الله الشريف اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد Let me share a fact with you. A fact. We are in this world to be tested. This is a fact. Do we believe it? This is a fact. We are in this world to be tested. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we forget that we are in this world to be tested. So today's discussion, inshallah, will serve as a reminder for me, a reminder for you. How should we act? How should we behave when we are being tested? How should we behave? How should we act when we are being tested? Now the Quran is filled with this message. Allah created life and death. Why? To test you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, going ahead, We created you. Why? To test you. So the fact is, life is a test. And sometimes we forget that. And how should we behave and act at the time of being tested? This is something we're going to speak about. And why? Why does Allah test? Because He wants to separate the true believers from the fake ones. He wants to make the true believers shine. And He wants to know those who are true and those who are false. And Quran clarifies this. And this is why you're being tested. You're not tested to make things difficult for you. Allah doesn't test you because He doesn't like you. Rather, Allah's doing this test, and He told us in the Quran to separate, to different, to distinguish between the right and the wrong, those on truth and those on falsehood. So, what should we do when we're tested? I'm going to share with you five common verses of the Quran that you regularly hear. Some of you will have memorized them. Some of you will know part of the ayat and others you've heard it, the Imams reciting it in the Salah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya amanu. We've all heard that before. Oh, you who believe. Now when you hear this in the Quran, oh, you who believe. What does that mean? If you're a person who claims to be a Muslim, a person of Iman, you need to become all ears from head to toe. You should become an ear because this address is for you. Allah is speaking to me directly. Then he says, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, O you who believe, those who are people of La ilaha illallah, when you are tested, when you go through a difficult time, when things don't go the way you want them to go, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that seek Allah's help through two things, patience and prayer, salah. Seek Allah's help. So you go through a tough time, whether it's to do with your family life or your health or your work or just things that are going on in the community are affecting you present them to Allah and do two things first of all two things when the Prophet wasallam, and you know what the idea of patience and sabr I think we relate to it to a certain degree everyone has an element of we might not be brilliant at patience patience but we do relate to it but the one we don't relate to, we speak about it, we mention it, is salah. I'm not talking about five times salah, that's in its place. That's an obligation. I'm talking about salah. Like when something goes wrong, we call it wrong. When something goes the way you don't want it to go, when you face a block in your life, how often is it you've thought, right, let me pull out the musallah and pray two rakat salah. We say, we don't do it. When the Prophet ﷺ faced any problem, he actually seeked solace through praying two rakat salah. Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu was traveling and he heard the news that his brother passed away. So he got off his camel, he put out his musallah and he prayed two rakat salah. Like actually doing it in that moment. That's what Allah is telling. Ya ayyuhalladheena aman, istaeenu bisabri wa salah. You want a tool to help you get over this situation? So one is patience and we understand that to a level, but salah in itself is we know, but we don't do it. So actually in that moment, you've heard some bad news. It's affected you. That's fine. Like pulling out the musallah and praying two rakat salah at that time. Your mind might not be totally present and that's perfectly fine. Because when a person is in panic mode, you're Cognitive function, the front part of your brain, your executive brain, isn't active anyway. And we get really worked up about this. That why is it that I've heard that when you face a problem, you're meant to pray salah and make dua, but my mind's not with it, my heart's not with it. Well, of course it's not with it. Of course it's not with it. It's not going to be with it. You can try so many times, but just do it anyway. Do it. And Allah's told, Allah didn't tell you, pray salah and you have to feel a certain way when you're praying it. No, he didn't say that. He just said, seek Allah's help through prayer and patience. You're in panic mode. You're not going to be able to have 100% focus and attention and khushu. The things that we read in the books or the pious people, they would pray and they would reach these stations. Why is it not happening to me? Is there something wrong with me? Am I a bad Muslim? Does Allah not like me? Is my connection? No, you're perfectly normal. You're a human being. The executive functioning of your brain, which uses that is what you need to actually focus and pay attention. At the moment, that's not working because you're in panic mode. The middle part of your brain is just firing up and alarm bells are ringing. So it doesn't allow that part of the brain to connect with the front part of the brain, which you need for khushur and khudu and for focus and attention in salah. Anyway, we're getting sidetracked here. Yeah. So the Prophet ﷺ would turn to salah and patience. So, this is the remedy. Salah 
and patience. Now we ask Allah, Allah, if I do that, if I ever face a difficulty, any difficulty, any test, and we're facing it every single day, something happens somehow from the unexpected. And if we do this, if we turn to Salah, and if we turn to patience, what will I get, O oh Allah? Allah says, What will you get? You get Allah. That's what you get. Allah says, I am with the patient once. When you have Allah, it doesn't matter. If a problem comes in your wealth, it doesn't matter. If it's in your health, it doesn't matter. If it's in your family, it doesn't matter. Why? Because when Allah is with you, does anything matter? That doesn't mean it's not going to affect you. But you have Allah with you. You have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with you. When you have Allah with you, He will switch your sickness into health. When you have Allah with you, He'll switch your poverty into wealth. When you have Allah with you, He'll switch your disgrace into honor and dignity and respect. When you have Allah with you, He will switch death to life. Really? Can Allah do that as well? In the following verse we learn, if you have Allah with you, even death is not a problem anymore. Even Allah will change, put life into death. How can that happen? And look at the next ayah. Allah says, do not say regarding those who have passed away in the way of Allah that they are dead. Allah says, no, no, don't call them dead. Allah says, no, they're alive. You don't realize. When you have Allah with you, and you are patient, Allah will make something like death feel like life to you. They've gone away from this world. But Allah will place something in your heart that will make you feel that they're not dead. They're still alive. And the Quran is saying that don't say regarding those who are martyrs that they are dead. Allah says, no, no, they're not. They are alive. You don't realize. When you have Allah with you, He will switch every situation from a bad to a good. From what you don't want to what you do want. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in these verses, He goes on to tell us that He is going to test you and me in this world. And He's going to test us in five ways. Some people will be tested in all five ways. Some by four, some by three, some by two, some by one. But the guarantee is every single one of us are going to be tested. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses emphasis, those who know the Arabic language, He uses the two modes of emphasis here. One is the lam, wala, and the nun taqid. This is two levels of emphasis, meaning 100%. Allah is guaranteeing you that I am definitely 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 going to test you 100% you are going to be tested in this life how he mentions five areas so i'm going to test you in five ways number one some, Allah says, some level of fear, not so much fear that you can't handle. The first test, He says, 
some level of fear. That you will have fear of something. And then, some level of hunger, of poverty. And we're seeing it now around. Hunger and poverty doesn't just mean the people who are starving. Hunger and poverty can also mean the inflation in the prices. So we can't afford the things that we want to. And, a lack of wealth, meaning losing your job or not being underpaid. Losing family members, life or having not so good health, suffering in your physical health or losing a family member, a child, a parent, a brother, a sister, a relative, a close friend. Thamarat could mean provisions. And other scholars mention it means the baraka, just the general baraka in things. Not seeing things in the, uh, in, in the abundance that we used to see them before. These are the five areas that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will test everyone. Everyone's going to be tested. Some with five, some with four, some with three. And this is, this is constantly going to happen throughout your lives. But then Allah says, Give glad tidings and good news. To who, O oh Allah? Who should we give good news to? Give glad tidings to those people who will exercise patience. To everybody who's patient? No. Very specific. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Give good news to those people who are going to be patient. Who? Those who face and encounter any one of these tests. What do they say? They say, what do they say? Inna lillah wa inna ilayhi raji'un. What do they say? Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, whoever faces any difficulty in this life, and in that moment, instantly, if you say, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un, Allah will replace you with something much better. Allah will compensate you. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. We are from Allah, and to Him we will return. We are from Allah, to Him we will return. We are from Allah, to Him we will return. Imagine, brother, what's your name? Umar. Umar, imagine, right? Every day I come to your house throughout the year. Every single day, Umar, I'm coming to your house and I'm giving you 50,000 pounds, a check of 50,000 pounds. Every single day I'm coming to you, I'm giving it to you on a daily basis. And this happens throughout the year. At the end of the year, one day I decide to walk into your house. I go to the fridge, I open the freezer, I pull out an ice cream and I start eating it. Whilst I'm walking out, what are you going to say to me? You're going to say to me, don't take an ice cream, take the whole fridge. Take the whole house. This is yours. Everything's yours. I'm, I, you're funding me. I, I kind of belong to you. Everything you can see is all yours. Well, for Allah is the best of example. This is a lowly example that I've just said. But when Allah is giving you everything you have, and He decides to test you in one small area, and then we go into panic mode thinking, Oh Allah, why me? Why is this happening to me? This is, this is, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. Oh Allah, not just this ice cream, the whole fridge is yours. The whole house is yours. The whole universe is, Oh Allah, I am yours. My health that you gave me was yours. You gave me the health. You gave me the job. 
My family is not my family, Allah it's yours. My wife is not my wife, Allah this is one of your people, my children, this is yours O Allah. My vehicle, my house, everything that belongs to me. In this wa inna lillahi wa inna, we are from Allah. To Him we will return. When Allah decides to take something, to change something, to tweak something in our lives, this is what the Quran is saying. That the people of Iman, they will say, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. And when you say that with that kind of belief in that moment, do you know what it says in the Quran? What will happen? Ulaika alayhim salawatun min rabbihim wa rahmah, wa ulaika humul muhtadun. The Quran says that those people who exercise this will get two amazing benefits. Number one, Ulaika alayhim salawatun min rabbihim wa rahmah. You will be showered with Allah's mercy. And Allah will boast about you in the presence of the angels. Number one. And number two, you will be amongst those who are guided. Allah will guide you even in your most difficult moments because you held and clinged on to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You didn't forget Allah in your difficult moments. Allah will not forget you. Allah will guide you. Allah will help you see a way out of this. Now, normally what happens when an imam is reciting and leading the salah, They'll start from Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu sta'inu bisabri wa salah Inna allaha ma'asabirin Wa la taqoolu liman yuqtalu fi sabirillahi amwaal Wal ahyaa'u wa lakin la tashuroon Wa la nabluwannakum bishay'in minal khawfi wal ju'i Wa naqasim minal amwaali wal anfusi wal thamarat Wa bashiri sabirin Alladheena idha asabatum musiba Qalu inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'oon Ulaika alayhim salawatun min rabbihim wa rahma Wa ulaika humul muhtadoon Allahu Akbar. This is what will happen normally. But I'm not going to stop here. We're going to go to the next verse. We will not stop here because the Quran doesn't stop here. It seems that the topic ends here. That's what it seems. But the Quran is a book of guidance. Every verse is perfectly placed exactly where it should be. Apparently, when you look at it, you think the topic has changed. Because the next verse is Inna Safa wal Marwata min Sha'irillah. Hajj. What's Hajj got to do with the way we're going to be tested? The five tests. Allah is speaking about Safa and Marwa. Inna Safa wal Marwata min Sha'irillah. Faman Hajjal Baita wi'tamara fala junaha alayhi ayyatawa fabihima. Waman tatawa khaira. Fa inna Allah shakirun alim. When we stand on the Mount of Safa, people who've been for Hajj, mashallah, Brother Iqbal has come back from Hajj. I can see Brother Imran and mashallah, many others of you. May Allah accept your Hajj and allow us all to make the Hajj of the house of Allah. When you're standing at the Mount of Safa, you recite this verse of the Quran, Inna Safa wal Marwata min Sha'airillah. Now you think, what's that got to do with the five ways that we're going to be tested? Safa and Marwa represent who? Which three people? Ibrahim and Hajar and Ismail. Safa and Marwa represent these three people. And we're being told in these verses that the five tests that you've just heard about, these three people were tested with all five of them and look into their lives to find an example of how they succeeded and how they were patient. And just like Allah blessed them, Allah will bless you as well if you succeed in these tests. Didn't they face, look at, look at the five. Number one, fear. Was there fear? 
When Ibrahim dropped his wife and child off in Makkah, was there fear? Of course there was. And it was the steadfastness of this woman when she heard, did Allah tell you to do this? He says, yes, Allah. If, 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 you, if you have Allah with you, Allah change her fear into peace. And Allah will do that for you as well. This is what the message is. It's not just for those people. It's for you today as well. If you have Allah with you, if you learn to trust Allah, try learn to rely on Allah, learn to love Allah, because Allah loves you, do you love him back? That's the question. And then hunger. Was there any food there? And now is there any shortage of food? So much so that the people who go for Hajj, if they commit any kind of wrongdoing, they have to slaughter an animal in Mecca. And the people of Mecca will eat from it. And then wealth. Any shortage of wealth there? Rather, it's probably one of the most expensive. Look at the real estate in Mecca. You will be surprised. And people, shortage of people. Before we're talking about loss of people. Is any lot 365 days throughout the year you go there. You'll see people and thamarat, provisions, blessings. These are 60 types of dates. That's just one fruit. Just dates. Not talk about anything else. So as you can see from this incident and from this story, if you trust and rely on Allah, Allah will change things for you as well. Now very quickly in the last few minutes I have, you're not here just to listen to a lecture. You're here to take some tools with you. Tools. Tools that you can use every single day. I'm going to equip you with six tools before you go from here. Six tools that you can use every day in your life. That whenever you are faced with a difficulty, a test, a tragedy, a painful moment, you can get through it without ruining your connection with Allah. Maintaining Allah's connection and getting through it. Otherwise, what will happen is if we're not strong, if we don't stay firm, whenever we are tested, the first thing to go and be compromised is our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So number one, the, f the next time you come across any difficulty, I'm going to share six with you inshallah, and I've only got like three minutes to do though, to do this. So it's a, this is a, like the greatest challenge for me to do this in three minutes. Let's go. Bismillah. I need your support. So number one, compare what Allah took with what he left. Compare what Allah took with what he left. If you've got a headache, for example, compare what the rest of my body is fine. Okay, I've lost one thing here, but I've got, look, if we're focused on what we've lost, we're going to think that's everything. But compare what he took to what he's left. He's left much more than what he's took from me. Number one. Number two. The one testing you is Arhamur Rahimeen. The one testing you is Arhamur Rahimeen, the most merciful of those who have mercy. And he said he will never burden you beyond your capacity. If you say, I can't do this anymore. Well, I'm going to say to you, brother, Allah has promised he will never put you in a situation that you cannot bear. That you can't handle. He's too kind to do that. So the one testing you is what? Arhamur Rahimeen. Number three. The one testing you is Ahkamul Hakimin. He is the most wise. And we know that he's testing you because he loves you. Because Allah has decided that he wants to give you in Jannah rank number 157. But your good deeds have only taken you to rank number seven. Your good deeds are not enough. But Allah wants you to get there. 
So out of his extreme love for you, he's going to send problems, tests, difficulties, pain, sadness your way. Not because he doesn't like you, because he loves you so much. So much more than you love your... If you don't love yourself enough to get yourself up there where Allah wants you to be. So Allah sends these tragedies your way. Because the hadith says when Allah loves someone, he tests them even more. That's why the prophets were tested more than anybody else. So he sends you these difficulties. And when you're patient, you go up, 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 and he'll carry on doing it until when it's time for you to leave the world, you've reached 157, that place where Allah wanted you to be. Number three. Number four. With every hardship comes ease. This is Allah's promise and he says it twice. If you're facing hardship, guaranteed, that means you're going to get ease. Allah's promised it twice. And how many times has it happened that when you are going through a tragedy, you thought it's the worst thing that's happened in your life. And five years down the line, you look back and you think, Alhamdulillah, I'm so glad that happened. Had that not happened, I wouldn't be where I am today. Hasn't that happened with you? Right? If you look back at your problems and your difficulties, those are the things that propelled you to be where you are today. Number five, thank Allah. When you are tested and go through any pain, thank Allah that you are not tested in your deen, in your iman. Test if, if you die with cancer, it's doable. Die in an accident, it's doable. If you die because of coronavirus, okay. But dying, not believing in Allah, doubting in the finality of the messengership of the Prophet ﷺ, not believing in the Quran, that's a problem. That's a huge problem. These things are problems, but having doubt in the deen is a huge problem. So thank Allah that He didn't test you in regards to your deen. And finally, number six, just about made it. Number six, two questions you ask yourself. Whenever you face a problem in your life, ask yourself two questions. Does Allah know about my situation? Ask yourself this. Does Allah know about my situation? What's the answer? Yes. Question number two, can he fix it? Can he fix it? Allah says, وَقَالَ rabbuk." Allah says, that's easy for me. Going through any problem, any difficulty, any pain, for Allah it's easy. So turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from amongst the sabirin wa akhru da'wana. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin.